0: The Allison Arngram Show, and I'm Allison Arngram. And yes, some of you may recognize me as Evil Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie. But tonight I'm Allison Arngram, and this is The Allison Arngram Show. And here on The Allison Arngram Show, we talk about things that make you feel good the movies and the television shows that made us feel good, and the people who made them, and people who are doing things now to make the world a better and more interesting place. And oh, tonight we have interesting. Um, yes, I always love it when I have people I know on. It's always so much fun. Tonight with us is got upcoming show, the extraordinary actor, singer, songwriter, screenwriter, drag queen extraordinaire, performance artist, just renaissance person, the amazing Kent alias, Jackie B.
1: Oh my gosh, did I
0: die? This sounds like a eulogy. <laughs> Because you look like you're in heaven. Where the hell is that? I love your backdrop.
1: I'm in Tahiti. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually in a friend's garage. Um, uh, yeah, we're working on the Christmas show, my annual holiday show. You know, this is my 23rd annual show. And we didn't, the show is called, you know, Christmas is not canceled because we all thought it was going to be. But thanks to you know, modern technology, we can still do it. So we were desperately, frantically editing and working our magic. And then I was like, ding, ding, ding. I got to go downstairs to the green screen, pretend like I'm in Tahiti and talk to Alison Arngrim."
0: <laughs> you look fabulous. How many times, I was just saying, how many times have I seen you out of drag? Three? Is this like the third? Is this like the fourth time in my life I've seen you out of drag?
1: I don't know because... I mean, I live my life like I'm in drag all the time. I'll be at lunch with my best friend Mario, and I will be like, you know, bitch, please. And he's like, you're not in drag right now. you know, like, <laughs> I think I've got the makeup on all the time, so.
0: Good. Yeah. This is good. I like that. I like that. I have, let's see, God, we've we been around forever. We've both been around just freaking
1: forever.
0: I remember.
1: you will not apologize for that. No.
0: No, no, I am old and it is good. Um, And we look amazing. I remember running into, it was like 93-ish, and I was out somewhere, it was that thing, Club Flirt, in the middle of the night, that weird after hours club, and I was hanging out with aunt and, and I ran into you somewhere, and I remember you had particularly striking makeup. You were doing a particular thing that evening where you had like drag makeup, and then you look like you'd fallen down a flight of stairs. Like someone like punched you repeatedly in the face like the mascara, I was like,
1: whoa, okay. (laughs) What is it, wow, I missed that show. Um, So you have always been unusual. Putting a twist on the word beat. um, Yeah. Yeah. there There was a time, and it still happens occasionally, but after 30 years, I've learned my lesson. Sometimes I sit down to do my makeup and I just get bored. You know, I love these drag queens that have a signature look, you know, Lady Bunny is always blonde, she's always got the salmon lips and the, you know, everybody, you know, and, but I get bored. So sometimes I'm a redhead, sometimes I'm a blonde, heavy metal, fried black hair, golden girls, you know, like, older Jewish woman, like I, that's my thing. I always said, if you're going to dress up like a lady, be a Jewish lady in the 80s. That's my... Yeah.
0: Cause then you could just wear anything. It's true. It's true. Well, and that's the thing. I think I saw. yeah, you were into the dark black, black, black hair and like just bright red lips and purple eyeshadow. And it was just, it was, it was fabulous. It was fabulous. Um, But you were also on occasion, you are B Arthur.
1: <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just want to wear triple shoulder pads and some flats. Cause yeah, it was at the mismatch game and the golden Girls thing. Yeah. Well, she's yeah. my favorite animal. And I've heard from some people that that is not the cultural appropriation to even use that term. And I understand I'm not trying to belittle it. I think it's amazing. Like, it's the only way to describe what I mean. But she's my... Inspiration. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, I think, and I think if it's a person, it's not the same thing. I mean, people, there are people actually have a spirit animal. It's actually a religious thing. But I think if you say it's B. Arthur, I think that's a whole other category that we're
1: talking <laughs> It really is not. I'm not trying to belittle a culture. I'm just taking the best parts of everything in this beautiful world and embracing them. So.
0: She's your spirit golden girl.
1: Yes, she is. Dorothy's born <laughs> Owl eyebrows. And I mean, like, literally just those there was one scene where she did a quadruple take she's leaving do you remember that she was leaving the room and somebody says something and she goes and I swear she did it a fourth time and I was like nobody else can get away with that
0: triple take is great artistry in comedy but the quadruple take that's just like there's like a handful of people on earth who could do that and be Arthur could do it. she could do
1: it You know? (laughs) (laughs) Axel. Well, she was the quadruple asshole.
0: (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But a lot of people don't realize, I mean, you started as a poet, which I found fascinating that you actually started as a poet. I I don't know that a lot of famous drag queens started as poets.
1: Well, when I first moved to Los Angeles in the early to mid 80s, now I'm in my early to mid 80s. <laughs> no, when I first moved to LA, and by the way, LA back then was amazing. Were you oh, here then? I mean, we're well, talking- I've
0: always been here. I've just always been here. I'm a fixture. At this oh point. my god!
1: The the bands the music venues, Melrose was actually thrift stores. Like nobody would dream of buying a designer outfit or something with a logo or a name. You put a fucking look together. Can I say fuck? it
0: was affordable. It started like in the seventies with Tiger Rose and then all these punk stores. And then in the blue up and the early eighties, it was, it was amazing. Oh my God. Sushi on Sunset, Melrose. It was actually oh, LA, was, LA
1: was cool. There was a place on Melrose called I Love Juicy and you could get like lavash bread and put whatever you wanted, like this kind of hummus. And it was very, you know, sort of, you know, eighties, all of a sudden in the eighties, everybody wanted to be a hippie again. And I used to see Sandra Bernhardt there all the time. And Sandra Bernhardt is the reason I'm a performer. Obsessed, my queen, Dorothy's born you know, be Arthur. And I like, just loudmouth, bitchy women. So, anyway, my point is that back in the 80s, like I came to LA and I mean, I had a sense of humor, but I was also an artist and a photographer and a poet but I was also that age where I took everything so seriously you know I was a gay man in his early 20s and all I did was listen to the Smiths and cry my eyes out and everything was so serious and I'm the first person to ever fucking feel this but then I just like thought you know what I grew up with Carol Burnett I need to make this fun and then I started to gain weight so as a gay man I had to figure out a way to still be the center of attention and that's when you know <laughs> Well, you know so we did drag for halloween which was a rite of passage and i took it to a different level than you know all my friends and like i found my true voice in drag
0: fantastic and i think i think that is how it became for a lot of people finding their true voice and there is something freeing about the costume and makeup. I mean, I have joked that as Nellie Olson, I was technically in drag for seven years as as a child, um, because it was so not me. I mean, I would go to the set and take off my jeans and my Converse high top tennis, and suddenly I'm in layers and layers of petticoats and lace and puff sleeves and a wig. And so so there's something freeing about when you transport yourself into this other character that involves a wig and an elaborate costume and makeup. And it's like, it's me, it's not me. Maybe it's the real me, I don't know. and it's freeing and other things just come out
1: it's shocking how freeing and how you are actually removing layers by putting on layers thank you you. getting to the real you by putting on artifice it's crazy
0: and I think that's true, and I think it's true, and that's why a lot of, you know, with drag queens, and we go to see drag queens, that they will say things that we somehow feel we cannot say, and they will say the outrageous things that maybe we're all thinking, that we don't necessarily blurt out, but the drag queen will.
1: But Allison, sadly, the drag queens aren't even allowed to say it anymore, because the world's getting so touchy and PC, and I don't want to, you know, invalidate or belittle anyone's experience, like, you know, but... Listen, if a big old man, lady, clown makes a joke, that doesn't mean that they hate women. It doesn't mean they're racist. Like, that's not why I do this. I do this to make everybody laugh. And I love everybody. And I mean, I like I said, I don't want to invalidate someone's feelings if they feel hurt. But that's so the complete opposite of my, uh, my intention that it's upsetting when I'm accused of being, you know,
0: the only time i ever saw you accused of anything and we all took your side and went oh good heavens we were all in in p town the fabulous fabulous province town back east there and p town had been this mecca for well gay entertainers and really like really fabulous cutting edge, amazing nightclub stuff and fun things and artsy stuff in key And I performed there a couple of summers and it was really, really cool. And well, of course the, the great Brian Landry, who does all these crazy shows, there's, you know, King of P town and all kinds of cool stuff was going on and I was doing shows there. And then one year, it's like everybody else discovered P Town. It's like P Town was so, sort of not like inside, but it was very, very gay in the way that like Fire Island was exclusively sort of gay as like an enclave. And even the people who went to P Town weren't gay, but like they went because there's going to be drag performers. There's going to be people like the Nellie Olson's comedy troupe, who're thoroughly outrageous. There was going to be well, me um, <laughs> doing the Prairie Bit Show. There was going to be that kind of entertainment, nightclub stuff, and crazy things. Yes, in the daytime, there were arts and craftsy places and ice cream, but it was a kind of a blimp. But then a lot of people came in who'd never been there before. A lot of straight people, a lot of families coming in. And yay, they enjoyed it. And there were things about it they enjoyed, but they didn't know. They like didn't read the brochure. And they came in and went, well, this is really pretty. And there's all these like craft shops and there's all this ice cream and we should go to these shows, but, like, you know, they could have looked it up. And um, people were attempting to bring young people and children to the Jackie Beat show, which all of us who knew you, like, sort of fell on the floor going, who in their right mind would take kids to Jackie Beat? No, that's not that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Why would you take your children? And you, ha- you actually wound up having to put a sign outside your show saying that it was adults only, which seemed redundant to me. But you had to do that.
1: Yeah, a lot of the performers were sort of watering down what they did. I mean, I'm not saying some of them, you know, like, and listen, if you're a business person and you can make, you know, twice as much money. And I decided, you know what? I honestly can't do that. Like I will have no material. So I'm on <laughs> the fact and I want gay guys to read the sign and go, that's the show I want to see. Not for kids. You know, like, not that I, I love kids, you know, who doesn't love kids, but, um, but anyway, so the thing about P-Town is Yeah, it's what we call, see, when we were in New York, we did a show called, um, well, we did a bunch of shows, but one of our most popular shows, Theater Couture, which was the theater company that Sherry Vine started, me, Sherry Vine, and Mario Diaz did a show called Telltale, which was an updated version of Telltale Heart. And she plays this rich woman and he's like this you know, hustler who's got a beeper. She ends up killing him and putting him under the floorboards and the beeper keeps going off. It was really good and it became a huge hit and these producers took it to off-Broadway. We did it at the Cherry Lane. Wow. And so you have these audiences that know who you are and what you do and they appreciate it. And then we have what we call the New York Times audience, which is... (laughs) about the cool show so that's what we got in Provincetown was these people like I'm gonna be cool well the problem I is
0: Provincetown's fun what is it about I don't know but I heard it's fun I'm gonna go and I have no idea what I'm getting into yeah
1: people think they want their clowns to push the envelope and be shocking and you know um shock them and offend them and honey you have no idea. I take it to the nth degree. Like, I mean, I, I mean, there are songs that are so revolting. I mean, even, but here's my point. One day, because you got a bark in P Town. So you got to get ready early and you're handing out flyers and trying to get some, you know, people to your show.
0: We get the afternoon, there was a tea dance and you'd hang out in front of the place that had the big dance in the afternoon and talk to people and hand out flyers and sign autographs and whatnot. I did it myself.
1: I was out in front of the theater I think it was the art house that year and I was flyering and this guy like I saw him with his two young kids like one was 12 and one was maybe six. Oh, so like like I'm a prop like I'm a joke like I'm a, a an animal in the zoo which I wouldn't even treat an animal this way I saw the dad like oh go talk to that thing point and, and laugh And the 12 year old is all disgusted. And anyway, walked up with a video camera and literally got right in my face. And I said, you know, usually people ask before they do that. And he's like, just ignored me. And I said, you know what? I said, get the camera out of my fucking face. And he goes, oh, great way to talk in front of kids. And I was like, I'm a drag queen. You want to have your fun with the drag queen? This is how drag queens fucking talk. Guess what? He called the police. A police woman, this bull dyke, can I say that? twenty
0: 20- <laughs> It was B-Town. So yes, that's who this would
1: be. Bull dyke police woman shows up and she's got her pad of paper and she's like, this gentleman just, oh, here's what happened. The kid, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. The kid was walking away and he goes, oh yeah, real nice mouth. And I'm like, you know, why don't you, and he had an ice cream cone and I'm like, you better walk away before I shove that ice cream cone up your ass. And I said, you know, I'm going to shove that ice cream cone so far up your ass. You're going to be able to tell me what flavor it is. So they called
0: basically a threat. Okay, what? Yeah, Yeah,
1: maybe he's lactose intolerant. So it was really, really mean spirited of me. Here's my point. The bull dyke shows up, you know, full police uniform. She's like, this gentleman told, said that you were going to um, like. that you were
0: literally going to shove an ice cream cone up someone's ass yeah she
1: said something like that you were gonna like yeah um like kick his ass and I said no officer I said I was gonna shove the ice cream cone up his ass and she started laughing and she I said listen you wear your uniform I wear my uniform these people come here and they make us miserable and she's like you know what case closed she closed her little like she was like I get it girl and she just like
0: (laughs) is it that people did that is it, there was a level of people who knew what they're getting but the, a lot the new people harassment of performers it's hard enough when people have to stand in front of the theater and try to sell tickets or a show, but there were people who were coming up who were harassing yeah. Before, they were touching people people were standing around in front of the show saying here's the show and they did have to put up signs I remember even seeing signs playing please do not touch the performers because people were coming up to drag queens and people were dressed as showgirls and like grabbing I mean if you go to Vegas and the showgirls are outside the theater in the showgirl costume and you touch them you, you'll be spending the night in jail they don't let you do that and people were coming up and grabbing people and shoving cameras it got really crazy and I mean, luckily my show's called Confessions of a Prairie Bitch. So they kind of knew what they were getting. Um, but we did, I remember, uh, I think it was Jenny McNulty who was opening uh, and I was after her. And she was really panic stricken because we were getting this totally different audience. And this, it was like a you know, church group, a bus group, and these families. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm and she was cutting things and cutting things. And I went, like, once you're out there, it seems too late. I said, you know, it felt like before you went on, if you said, okay, I think I'm going to do this. But they're there. I mean, they bought the ticket. And so I opened the show. And early in the show, I made some reference to, like, "You know, hope you know what show you came to. Because, right. hi, here we are. And then and it t- turned out they wound up staying. I didn't cut a line. I didn't cut a line. She was, like, shocked. Was, like, oh, my God, you didn't cut anything. They stayed. They didn't, they didn't walk out. They stayed. They wound up staying for the whole show. They went, oh, okay, well, this is what we came for. But... There, there's different entertainment. There's entertainment for children. There is entertainment for teenagers and young people. There's entertainment for adults. There is many, many different kinds of entertainment. If I'm in Walnut Grove, Minnesota, doing the afternoon speech, you know, signing autographs, of course I have a version of a show that is appropriate for the kids and grandma. But if it's 11 o'clock at night on stage in New York, it's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would you? Yeah, it's craziness
1: favorite things to do is what i call bugs bunny which is where you can do things you know that the adults are getting but it's not actually bad words and like it works for everybody and sometimes when you can't say a bad word you need to be more creative and it's actually more fun but just tell me that's what you want i can't tell you how many gay pride Uh, celebrations and shows and festivals I've been hired to do and as I'm walking up on stage they're like, now remember this is all ages and family friendly and I'm like what? You tell me this now? (laughs) Did you hire me? (laughs)
0: Uh, and it's like, like I said, at the time, I remember going, it's Jackie B. I think we really all know who Jackie Beat is and what kind of show Jackie B does. How in the blue hell would someone be confused about that? I mean, so now you did, speaking of, you were the host of Seattle Pride's Pride Parade in 2015. You have hosted, you have been the host of Pride Parades around the country. With
1: Mama Tits, who was, you know, like really, Mama she was Mama. like queen of Seattle. And then yes. now she lives in Puerto Vallarta, which, you know, Love. Puerto Vallarta Excuse is the me. last place I performed before all of this happened.
0: Really? I was lured to Puerto Vallarta by Mama Tits. Mama Tits was the one who said, You you got you gotta come down here. You gotta come down here. This is this is the place. And I went to the same theater and I was in the little cabaret room and it was great. I spent several weeks in Puerto Vallarta and it was just mind blowing. And the funny thing is it was all Canadians who fly in. It's yeah. it's like there's a direct flight from like Edmonton and, and, you know, Regina, Saskatchewan and Montreal. It's like all these... There were so many French Canadians and the the tech guy at the theater was French. And Uh so... I, yeah, that, Exactly. I wound up speaking more French while I was in Puerto Vallarta than I even attempted Spanish. And at one point it was hilarious. I had a bunch of French Canadians and I did like a whole chunk of my set. I was like, well, you know, I have a French version of this. And I just started speaking French to the audience. And I was like, it was, it was hysterical. And I was like, there's more French people here than there are people speaking
1: Spanish. Puerto Vallarta is so gorgeous and the people are so wonderful. And I'm sorry, I, I could not believe after the show we would go out to dinner and i don't drink but my friends would be drinking and we would eat the best food and it would be a couple dollars us
0: okay i went to the place that was um liz and dick's house the the fabulous uh, casa what what the god what's it called now it's gorgeous it was a, it was a house liz taylor and, and and richard burton built little tiny houses with a bridge between them and now it's a boutique hotel and restaurant but the restaurant's the
1: the iguana or whatever is night of the iguana
0: it was night of the iguana, of the iguana. so the bar the iguana it is fantastic and i remember i went it was my birthday went, and mama tits and i went and it was like everyone said oh it's really expensive and i went Okay, real world expensive or Puerto Vallarta expensive? What do you, and I got there and it was so much fun. We ordered, okay, we ordered like one of everything on the menu. <laughs> like had cocktails, wine with dinner, some hors d'oeuvres, the thing, the thing, the Chateaubriand, the this, the that, the thing that we had dessert. We ordered like 87 things and we tipped the mariachi band and bought their CD. And it was about what I would have spent like for half that at an LA restaurant. Yeah. It wasn't even $200 and I swear we ordered like everything on the menu. We were there for hours. We were there for days and yeah. it wasn't $200 and we were like tipping like that. So yeah, yeah, no, Puerto Vallarta, it's the prices are cooking. Are it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place and everyone is super fantastically. Nice. And it is actually, you know, people say, Oh, is it safe? There's, there's a neighborhood you can go to if you wish to get mugged, if you want to get drunk and walk around waving your wallet and get mugged, and then there's the rest of the city, and it is a lovely, lovely place. I really it enjoy happen
1: it anywhere, you know. But
0: oh, safer than L.A. What?
1: <laughs> I was telling friends that if Trump won, uh, you know, again, that I was like, literally, I was truly considering selling my house, cashing out, and buying a gorgeous condo because they have these. Gorgeous, modern, beautiful condos going up all over, you know, Puerto Vallarta. And they're so inexpensive. And I'm not sure exactly how it works. Like, you don't really own it. Do you know what I mean? You sort of do, but as an American. But listen, if you're going to retire, who gives a shit? I don't have any kids. Well, I
0: think that's what, yeah, mom Titch kind of did. She got placed down there. It's like permanently and is there because it was like Seattle, Seattle, back and forth. And I mean, the attitude in Puerto Vallarta was very chill. They had, like, there was one restaurant and they said, best breakfast this side of the wall. I mean, they just were like, oh, I guess you're building wall. They just did not care. Yeah,
1: and when you walk around, they're selling, you know, all of the great, uh, you know, some of it's, you know, very touristy and other things are really artisan and beautiful. And then you've got those so many amazing anti-Trump t-shirts.
0: And then if you went up the road and around the corner, you found the stuff where it was the indigenous Indian beadwork stuff. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was, but it was all in one place. You could have your tackiest souvenir and your most like authentic indigenous, fabulous handmade bead thing like 10 feet away from each other. It's, and then now they're having the same thing that we are. It's like, how do we do a show? Okay. Well, we're outdoors. We're on the roof or we're doing it by video. And it's, it's right. that we're all, yeah. So this is the thing we're all doing our shows. Now we're all have transitioned into this virtual reality that we're all living in with a palm tree behind us. Uh, where. where to perform because when March hit, I sat in the middle of my floor and went, I, I, I what am I going to do? Because I was, I was supposed to be at the Lori Beachman in New York for Mother's Day, my confessor's very bitch show. I had a bunch of autograph shows and whatnot. I was going to go, oh, RuPaul's Drag Con, the big event. Me oh. and Judy Tenuta and a bunch of people would sign autographs and have booths and hang out. I had all these things I was going to. I was going to the Cherry Blossom Festival in Missouri. I mean, you name it, I was going to it. And then I had shows lined up in France. And then hi, we didn't, and I did not know what to do. And next thing I knew, I was I was reading Little House on the Prairie on Facebook Live while um, wearing a bonnet, very successful. And um,
1: wait, one second. Do you need Alice? a bonnet? No. The moment you put that on, you literally become—I don't know how old you were—twelve. Like your eyes, you are. That's. It's like. Terror,
0: that- isn't you it? <laughs>
1: Wonderful slash terrifying, which is also like a pull quote from any review of mine. But yeah, yeah I, you put that yeah. on, like the same exact person. i started
0: reading the Little House books on Facebook Live while wearing a bonnet, and people just loved it. They said, This is great. This is what we need. This is relaxing. This is great. And then I started doing my shows. I said, Well, you know, there's this thing called stageit.com. So next thing I know, I did my show, a shortened version, from that part of the living room, the other end of the room on stage.com live and went and people loved it. And now I have another one, my uh, plugging my show. Hello. Yes. Coming up um, December 17th. um, I have uh, Nelly's nasty Noel again on stage.com. And now you have a show. You're this weekend. You're this weekend. Yes.
1: Yes. And I am pre listen. I've done a million live shows. I've done. I came up with, a. I did quarantine cuisine, which was my cooking show in my kitchen. And in one episode, I mean, I actually cooked some stuff, but the second episode was me just showing you how to open a lean cuisine with fingernails (laughs) and microwave it. So it wasn't really about the cooking, but I did tons of those. And then I did a, I do a show called best friends day Wednesday, which is just me interviewing people on Instagram live. You'll have to do it. And um, so I've done tons of live shows, but this Christmas show, I wanted to really, there's too many opportunities for technical problems. And if I want people in Europe to be able to watch it. So it really yeah. does feel live and it was taped live, but we're doing all the celebrity, you know, messages, which you did. Thank you so much.
0: I did. I did. That's what was fun because you have, you have celebrity guests and it's just little blurbs of what do you want for the holidays? So yeah. I rented and screamed into the camera and uh, you have that now. <laughs> yes.
1: So I'm excited, but uh, I'm really happy that we are pre-recording it so I don't have to worry about like it freezing or, you know, people, you know, because it's just people are paying money and they deserve, you know, a finished product. And this way we can add, you know, graphics and just do it right.
0: But- We're getting fancier with our online stuff. We, we started it all in back in March and April as a matter of survival as artists of like, okay, hook up the camera. How do we do this? Hello, hello, earth, earth. And, you know, hello. He was done. Hello. <sighs> and now we've all got like lighting and are, are making things happen. We're getting more technologically advanced. Now, when is your show? Your Saturday night, but what time are you? When- uh,
1: I'm not sure the time's. But it's on your website. Your website is what, Jackie Beat? I think it's 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Yes. Pacific. So there's two That's what shows. I
0: usually do. I usually do. It's five o'clock in LA, it's eight in New York. And, and I have people in France who like to sit up all night. So, right. uh, yeah.
1: On Sunday, that is timed specifically for like the UK and Europe. So Saturday and Sunday. Oh, but nice. if people go to missjackiebeat.com and click on schedule, that's the easiest way, so I don't have to remember anything because I can't remember anything.
0: And there is so much going on on that website. You have a gorgeous website, MissJackieBeat.com. And was it the 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 original? Was it you are the the biggest bitch in the world? The
1: biggest bitch. <laughs> but I'm the world's biggest bitch. <laughs> You're the OG. I'll give you that much.
0: I'm the OG. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived long enough to be the OG of anything. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so you have this fabulous website and you just go to Miss, M-I-S-S, M-I-S-S MissJackieBeat.com.
1: Very important to let gentlemen know that you are available. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very important now. And they can find everything. They can find all your stuff, including yes. your
1: Buy merch and download music and see what the next show is. And there's even some video on demand. I've done Battle of the Bitches with Sherry Vine. And then we did Battle of the Witches, which was our Halloween show. So, you know, you can watch past shows for like five bucks or something. But I want to know that I have a big bonnet just like yours, but it's like literally comically large because years ago I did, you know, that song Gangnam Style, Gangnam, Gangnam Style, that Korean hit.
0: A lady,
1: yeah. I did it about if Mitt Romney becomes president, the entire country is going to go gingham style. <laughs> I have a big bonnet and a matching apron, and it was all about how we're all going to be sister wives, and it's going to be so horrible, but it was so funny to do it to that song. So I have a bonnet too
0: very good very good we love we love the bonus now that's the thing you're a songwriter i mean yes many drag performers have things where they go they write some music or they've written lyrics but you you are a songwriter you are a multi-talented artist so um when did you first start writing the the songs did that come out of the poetry or out of
1: the drag well you know what i feel like i feel like i said i grew up with carol burnett Carol Burnett, my favorite parts of Carol Burnett were their, you know, like Gone with the Wind and making fun of things and, like, TV commercials and, like, As the Stomach Turns was their, you know, soap opera. Yeah. So, and I also read Mad Magazine. I don't know how many people are familiar with Mad Magazine and National Lampoon. Right. And Saturday Night Live came along, and my favorite thing was always when they did, you know, a parody, a commercial, a song, a pop song, So I kind of have a mad magazine approach, you know, to pop culture. And um, I just do the show that I would wanna see. And I always make this joke. If you are blind, then you are blessed to hear my hilarious comedy and my beautiful singing voice. If you are deaf, you get to see the look, which I call, it's trademarked, fuckable clown. And if you are blessed with both sight and, you know, hearing, You've hit the jackpot, or the jackie pot. So the jackie pot, indeed. Yeah. So, I like I said, I don't know what came first, but I do like camp. I always one of my slogans or my mantras is "Have the courage to be camp." People these days like look at Bjork on the red carpet dressed like a swan. Yes. like take a chance do share in the big you know cockatoo look like have your ass crack showing like have a little fun people play it's so safe now and they all have stylists like have the courage to be camp those 80s singers that used to everybody sang like Pete Burns like everybody gave 110 percent and now everybody like whispers and they're too cool for school <laughs> So it's hell? true. I miss camp.
0: Camp is old. There's an old book actually called Mother Camp, which came out in part of the 70s, like the history of drag and a female impersonation of camp. And camp goes way, 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 way back. And I've always liked really good campy stuff. I mean, there, there were movies where camp and performers were camp. And now people, yes, they're scared to be camp. They take themselves very seriously and they're afraid to be, oh no, that's too campy. And I'm like, yes, campy. campy is good.
1: Exactly. I mean, Nellie Olson is campy.
0: We were kept, that was the thing. We kind of figured that out. Catherine McGregor, who played Mrs. Olson, brilliant, brilliant woman, we realized somewhere along the way that we were starting to become the comedy of the show. We were the comedy relief, and we realized. This is campy. This is campy. The flouncy dresses and the ringlets and and the outrageous stuff. And as Catherine used to say, well, Mrs. Olson, Harriet, you not just me mean she's foolish. She's a foolish, ridiculous woman, and she's trying to be, you know being terrible to these people. She's absurd. It's like, it's camp, and yeah. and so we we camped it up, but hard, and people loved it. We were the camp of that show,
1: and that show needed it because I mean, like, I love heartfelt I love family friendly I love you know but give me a little yin for the yang you know like yeah you got to be the comic relief I remember Nancy Allen who played uh Chris Hargenson the bad girl in the original Carrie (gasps) yeah she's I mean Carrie's my all-time favorite movie because you know the moral of the story is don't mess with the freak but um I remember Nancy Allen saying like John Travolta and I thought we were the comic relief, like right, and Carrie, like we were bumbling around, and we we thought what we were doing was hilarious. So, yeah. you gotta
0: gotta have a villain you gotta have some comedy because little house they had all the serious stuff i mean every episode someone died or something i mean of course we're very popular right now because we had an episode called quarantine and we had an episode called plague so we are like the um big hit right now everyone is going back and watching little house on the prayer and reading the book so you have all of that but you need the i think the show worked because we had a villain we had camp we had comedy and we had all of those elements in one thing so that's why yes no i'm am a big believer in camp and just,
1: just back back when uh, they had a plague or had to quarantine you know like they didn't have netflix they didn't have facetime they didn't have zoom what did they do like churn more butter and you know <laughs> needlepoint a pillow <laughs>
0: They they all lay on the church floor and waited for Doc Baker to come back with the quinine. It was horrible, but so we're all doing this now. You've been, you've been technologically gifted obviously for a while. So what are we all doing? All of us now who are performers, we're all like doing this whole thing on the internet and this is going to go on for a while. Is this going to become like its own thing? And when things start to get good, like my doctor says next fall, next fall, next fall could be very good. Um, are we going to go back into the theater and then also have this, like, internet life on the side, do you think?
1: You know, I think that people will be so hungry for live theater and human beings and that experience. We're going to have a true renaissance, you know? Like, really, I, I do believe that. But there's a part of me that's like, bitch, now you're spoiled. To do a drag show without shoes on? Uh, you know? Yeah. Like, and sometimes like, you know, I won't say whether I'm wearing pants right now or not, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't, I love people and I love my fans, but I don't have to get on a plane. I don't have to like, you know, put up with a line of drunk people after I have just performed for 90 minutes. I don't have to put on shoes. I could get used to this.
0: I don't, we don't have to go anywhere. I mean, even this show, it's like, well, I had to get dressed up, and then I had to you know, drive down to the nice little studio down the road, and people would have to get there, and we'd have to deal with traffic, and then I'd have to drive home. I'm like, I am in my living room. La, 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 la. I have on pants. I have on pants. Someone asked me the other day during my prayer reading, do you have – and they were in france they said have you pants today i said yes I, I am having the pants every day yes um i have the pants um but i think and then when i do my show and i and bob my husband bob said you didn't have to fly you didn't have to stay anywhere you're you just did the show and now you're here and we can like order a pizza it's like what uh, this is pretty good
1: (laughs) layers to that phrase you can order a pizza because you don't have to leave the house and you can put the camera right here and who cares if you get a little pizza punch (laughs)
0: On your shirt here. I mean, yes, I'm dressed up. I mean, I'm in jeans. I'm in sneakers. It's great. I have a little table here. I have my little Diet
1: Coke. I'm like, I really do think it'll swing back. And I think even personally, I obviously there's nothing, there's nothing better than, I mean, let's, can we just go there? It really is. The perfect metaphor is sex. I mean, Hello. we all know how to do Get Off and technology is great and there are toys and there are gizmos and there's the internet, but nothing is going to be the same as another human being. And that's the same with performing and audiences. So I think it'll swing back to where it'll be this explosion of, my God, I need live theater and I need live performance. And then maybe it'll go back just like, so it's a little bit of both, like both Now we realize, like, hey, we have fans in Europe who can't see my show, so why not make it available to them? And it makes sense business-wise, artistically, and, you know, it's just, why not?
0: and I think so I think so and it's it's true the sound of the audience the sound and the being able to play off them they're right there and able to go oh you yes you you know what I'm talking about don't you it's like you know I can't I can't do that now I still do my Q&A I I have I ask them questions on Facebook and have them send me you know the questions and say what do you want to but yeah that thing of actually physically contacting your audience we're all craving that and I think that's good I think someone said isn't it going to be the roaring 20s I mean when we had the pandemic in in the at the turn of the century and all that we got the roaring 20s afterwards so perhaps this is what we'll have
1: I think we're gonna have the whoring 20s
0: (laughs) (laughs) true the physical contact like you said it's the same with sex how many people have not been out of the house in a
1: while (laughs) here's the thing about this show that I'm doing this weekend even though it's pre-recorded I still have to get in drag because we're selling VIP tickets which include a virtual meet and greet on zoom And I'm not just, I'm going to answer questions and talk, but I'm going to sing a couple bonus songs because, you know, you got to be creative. And if you can have a second tiered, you know, little more expensive ticket, give people what they want, so.
0: See, that's, I think, what we'll do in the future. I'm, I'm plotting, as we say, so, okay, so then I'll do my live show when we are back in the theater, and then I'll have the internet. If you want to buy an extra ticket, you can be part of the internet behind the scenes piece that we'll be putting on the web after, and you can, yeah, that would be, you have that.
1: Also, here's something to keep in mind. When you're doing a live show, throw up two video cameras and record it and then offer it later for pay-per-view for people who couldn't be there or live in Europe or where, you know, whatever.
0: It's just, it's genius now. I think we'll be able to use both of these things. It'll be fabulous. Now you've also written for TV. You've been in TV shows. You've been in movies. You you, you have a real career, as we say. No, <laughs> <You're soft. laughs>
1: Well, I've been blessed to, to write for some amazing people, mostly women: uh, Joan Rivers, Roseanne Barr, Sandra Bernhardt, Elvira. I, love, I, I wrote Elvira's last three shows at uh, Not Scary Farm, and I just wrote a song, a song parody for her this past year called uh, "You Know Don't Cancel Halloween." And uh, so, yeah, I've written for like so many p- amazing people, and I've written, you know, for some TV. And uh, quite a few screenplays that um, I'm just going to say were ahead of their time because <laughs> they didn't sell. And that, <laughs> that sounds better than they were bad. And <laughs> yeah, and I've been in a lot of movies. I don't I don't audition much. I just kind of do what I do. And then people are like, I wrote a part for you or I think you'd be perfect. And I'm not against auditioning, but you know my personality. Going into a room and begging someone to love me isn't exactly my
0: mm. my thing. And that's kind of what's happened to me. I mean, I, I have an agent, I do audition, but then I have these people who go, well, we know what she does and yeah. we know where she is so high. But that was the big joke when I, years ago, I did Make the Yuletide Gay, which of course is now running like mad again, because it was the first like gay, Hallmark-esque adorable Christmas movie. And I was in that, they said, oh, this character is kind of like a grown up sort of Nellie Olsen neighbor thing. And, you know, like an Alison Arngrim type, and then they said, well, why don't we just go get Alison Arngram? You know, it's like she's practically in the phone book.
1: <laughs> and like, they oh, and there God. it was. That's the B. Arthur story from Golden Girls. They were like, it's a B. Arthur type. And they were finally like, why don't you call B? She's available. Yeah. And Great. the Last movie that I did called Stage Mother with uh, Jackie Weaver and Adrian Grenier and Lucy Liu. Um, it's available on, on all streaming platforms. Um, somebody. I think the makeup person, the hair and makeup person was a trans woman who we shot it in Halifax and I just immediately bonded with her. And she was like, you know, when this was all happening they were talking about this character and they said, you know, it's a Jackie Beat type. And after hearing that like three or four times somebody just said, well, why don't we call Jackie? Maybe she'll do it. And it was like, what do you, I'm not a huge star. Of course I want a movie course i want to be in a movie with two-time academy award nominee jackie weaver
0: (laughs) hello and so that's when people say oh you know this is so maybe we should just like get her and so i have had people call me and say well i have this part that my favorite though was my friend who said i have this character of the, the, the lead girl's boss but i wasn't going to ask you because it's a bitchy part and i thought you'd be offended that i was asking you to come play the villain again i'm like Excuse me. Um, so of course I like that, that. So yeah. So I have people go, well, yeah, hi, I'm doing this thing. Do you want it? And they call me and I'm like, yes, I what? what time and how much, you know, let's do this thing. So yeah, I love that when that happens, that's the best.
1: And you know, the lesson, and it's so funny that we, is you just never know why not. All you can, all they can do is say no. Like if you're on the other end of it and you're thinking, oh, so-and-so isn't gonna, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I wouldn't call Meryl Streep and ask her to, you know, to, make a little message for my uh my holiday show but uh you just you really never know and it all and you that,
0: never know she could be sitting home going what I love Jackie I I don't know why I wasn't called to-
1: <laughs> I shouldn't have used her as an example because she's super cool and uh she's yeah.
0: really fun she's really fun. every time I see her on a talk show I'm like oh my god she's hilarious so
1: yeah and some talk about not taking yourself too seriously like the greatest living actress and she has right. such a Sense of humor and you can tell it's not fake. She's not and I mean
0: of all the human beings in the world who could legitimately take themselves seriously. Yeah. I mean, if I was Meryl Streep, I might take myself seriously. Good God. And she does not. So, you know, that's
1: Yeah. Well, I'm so excited because, like I said, I had to take a break from editing. And when we're sitting there editing, and I look at Calpurnia and like I actually delight myself, Allison. Like I know that sounds so egotistical, but it it really is almost like a different person. Like I just watch myself and I'm like that's okay, that's hilarious. Like sometimes you just have to give yourself credit. Right? and that's the thing people say well
0: i know some people hate to watch themselves they hate to watch themselves and and even like serious actors have been around for years They're like nope can't watch myself can't can't do it and other people are like and i'm like no it's like the post-game footage you know or like you know yeah you gotta oh should i have taken that pass or not thrown the ball that way absolutely it's the game footage i've always and i Enjoy it. People say, "Can you? You can watch yourself." I go, "Are you kidding?" I freaking love watching myself. And people say, "Oh, you don't watch Little House, do you?" Yes, I do, and I laugh my ass off. It's, like,
1: <laughs> it's you know what I love. It. Watch it's, yourself. When you watch yourself, and you kind of remember your thought process. Like sometimes I'll be watching myself, and I'll be like, "I bet I take a sip of my drink right now," or "I say this," and I'll be right because I don't really remember it doing it live, but I know how my brain works. So anyway, sometimes I watch it and I just marvel at the fact that I'm in the zone, which means you're a trained performer, but you are letting it all go and just like channeling something and being open. If somebody says something, if somebody heckles you, if a light falls, like, yeah. And I'm just, sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm good at this.
0: Well, and that's the fun part. It's like, you know, in, in my show, it's like the Q&A is like some of my favorite part because I don't, I get the questions right before I go on and I like glance at them. People go, was that Q&A? Was that written? Did you have the answers? I'm like, no, I peeked at the cards. Oh, that's a good one. That was like it. And then totally like live. And it's the most fun. It's the most fun. And even online, it's still the most fun because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen next. And that that is the fun of live performance.
1: Yes, and have you ever had that thing where, I mean, I've prepared for a show and, you know, prepared and prepared and written, and then something goes wrong or something real, which is what people are really starving for. And then they're all like, that was my favorite part of the show. And I used to take offense at that. Like, really? I worked so hard on this fucking show and your favorite part was when the mic fell over and I practically tripped face first into the audience. And they're like, yes, that was real. I could feel how pissed off you were. And so now I embrace that. People want real. They want genuine. They do. They do. And that's why like, ever since
0: I started doing like real stories and everything, and they do, they want real, they want it real. And I think, and I think that's why you have had such a long career. So we've been around forever is that <laughs> you, <sighs> You are camp, but that's the thing. You don't hold back. You don't hold back when you're you. You don't hold back when you're Jackie B. You do let things just fly out. And even if it gets you in trouble occasionally, you let it fly. But that's what people like. They go, but it's real. He's real. And people like that. They want that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, it's the best job in the world. I'm really so... You know, the word gets thrown around a lot, but just so blessed. Like, before my dad died, he was watching a video of me in full drag, and it was my Christmas show. And, I mean, this is my dad who grew up in the Depression and was in the Navy. This is a big straight guy, and he was always complete. um, uh, What is that? When you, you love somebody unconditionally, like he never tried to, you know, make me anything I wasn't. But he still... Who he is, my dad. So he's watching this videotape, this is how long ago it was, of my holiday show, ironically enough. And at one point he paused, and it was filthy. I mean, like, gay (laughs) sex and shitting my pants. I mean, like, and I, you know, I'm sitting there cringing a little bit, like, you know, I know this guy's got a great sense of humor, but this is a bit much. He paused it and he's like, I don't get it. And I was like, oh my God, what do you mean? I was like, and he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you're not a fucking millionaire. This is hilarious. So I just feel like I said, and then he said before he died, he said, son, you are so lucky to make a living doing what you love. And Mm -hmm. it comes across, you know, like you're just in love with what you do. And as a result, people love what you do. And it's like, you know, 99% of people don't get that.
0: No, no, it's you old what, find a, a job, uh, something, do what you love, and and you'll never work a day in your life, as they say. Um, but that's incredible, that your father, I mean, how, how many gay people's parents, how many good heavens drag queens' parents, to say your father loved you unconditionally and was proud of you yeah. and thought yeah. your show totally rocked, that's, that's mind-boggling.
1: Well, I mean, I always say this, my parents were smart enough to accept the biological reality of gay people. Growing up in Scottsdale, Arizona in the 60s and 70s, their best friend was a gay couple, Bob and Jim. And they just, it was, I, I feel so bad for friends of mine who have been, you know, disowned or like if their parents, a friend of mine, his mother is a big Trump supporter and like they barely talk. And I said, and and I, I sort of didn't get it I don't know how to explain it, but all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, if my mother was still alive and supported Trump, I started crying when I told him this, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't even know, like, who are, who is this woman? Like, how can you love me and support this hateful idiot? So it really it strikes me how fortunate I've been, you know, in my family life, in my professional life. And I just, I love being me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're going to see you Saturday. We're going to do this and see you Sunday. And, and so the Christmas show, how long is it? It's Saturday. It's the 12th. It's uh, on the end.
1: We're, I'm not sure how long it is because we're still editing, <laughs> it, but it's at least an hour and I'm not, Honestly, I cannot tell you how many special guests we have. And I mean, on a, some of the messages are 10 seconds long. So, yep. you know, but yep. and, and some of them, some of the drag queens, I got to say, Alaska Thunderfuck, Jinx Monsoon. Pink. Like like some of them and, and, and um, uh, Benda Creme, like some of them went so, you can tell the people who work on like, they're at the top of their game. Because even this little video is like lighting and backdrop and you know like full costume and they you know it's perfection so exactly. there's a lot of there. so there's going to be singing
0: and music and filth and terribleness and wonderfulness and love and hate and everything all in one evening yes
1: yeah christmas covid and trump lots of trump bashing and i'm doing um I did a parody of, um, oh, my gosh, uh, New Attitude, Patty LaBelle. Very it's good. Great. Being high energy, you know, keeping it current by doing a song from the 80s. But I did New Attitude as new president because I am so thrilled. So that's a good one. That's not filthy, but... Oh, that's
0: even very good to even have an almost clean number. Something for everyone. All right. Well, thank you. Shockingly, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on my show. This has been just a Love your background. I will see. Your show is Saturday. I'm next Thursday. We are all over the internet. We are original bitches still on the internet, still alive after all these years. Thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to it. And Merry, Merry Christmas, babe.
1: Thank you so much. Happy holidays, everybody.
0: Holidays, and thank you. And this is the Alison Arngram Show. I
1: found my way because mm-hmm. the